Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to say that I've received emails and notes from many of you over the last couple of weeks telling me how much you've enjoyed the podcast and you found it helpful. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to reach out to me. Honestly, these notes really make my day. It tells me that what I'm doing is adding value to you. So thank you so much. I really look forward to hearing from all of you. So if any of you have any ideas, any suggestions on how I can improve the podcast, please do let me know. I really want to provide things that will be helpful to you. You can email me at hello at learneducatediscover.com and I'll make sure that I get back to you ASAP. Thank you once again for all those lovely notes. And now let's get to the episode. Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide, does a certain job sound interesting to them? And if yes, how do they go about exploring it further? Now, on today's show, we are going to be talking about a really interesting area, and that is dropshipping. So dropshipping, if you look up the definition online, is actually pretty straightforward. If you are a retailer and a customer places an order, then instead of you actually holding the inventory and you fulfilling the order, you actually have a contract with either a supplier or a wholesaler, and they're the ones who will directly ship the order to the customer. And so it's just a different way of fulfilling the order, and that's what is dropshipping. And in today's times, a lot of the orders that are listed today on Amazon, as an example, are actually listed there by dropshippers. So it's a very, very popular thing. And a lot of individuals have also started to use dropshipping as a way of making some money on the side. And sometimes it becomes a full-fledged business that can keep you very comfortable. So that's the kind of person we have on our episode today. His name is Zach Pinnell. And Zach, in his own words, has been doing stuff on the internet since he was, what, 12 years old? So for a very long time, he's all of 22 and he's already had a lot of success in dropshipping. And in fact, if you check out his profile on Quora, he's written many, many answers on Quora that have received over half a million views by now. Many of his answers have also been published on Inc. magazine. And so I think today's episode is going to be very, very helpful because Zach goes into a lot of details about what is dropshipping, how do you actually set up a dropshipping business. Zach shares a lot of very, very interesting ideas that you could consider exploring. So I think there's a great episode for anyone who is interested in trying dropshipping out. Oh, and by the way, towards the end of the episode, Zach talks about a free video series that he's putting together, which really explains this entire process step by step. So definitely make sure that you listen till the end so that you get the details on that. All right. So without further ado, let's welcome Zach. Hi, Sonali. How's it going? Hey, Zach. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I literally found you on Quora and you said yes. So thanks a lot. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. No, and it seems that you're just 22 years old and you started this when you were were 15? Well, yeah, I'd say 14, 15 to be conservative. I remember back when I was about 10 and I was homeschooled at the time. I was homeschooled from kindergarten to sixth grade. Hmm. And I remember having a lot of free time and spending a lot of it on the computer. And um, I'd be on forums like talking about video games all day and I'd be trying to hide that from my parents because they didn't want me talking to strangers and I spent a ton of time on the internet doing that and reading articles and spending a lot of time on eBay just shopping around with what little money I had and eventually I was buying stuff on eBay I got into some hobbies um, biking BMX bikes airsoft and then eventually I started 
buying those complete custom uh, bikes and airsoft guns and breaking them down and selling the parts individually on eBay and Craigslist. Wow. So, okay. So let me understand that you would buy like a bike on eBay. You would break it down, like literally take it apart and then you would sell the individual parts online. Correct. So one of those bikes would cost about $1,500 or so to build it the way that you wanted it. Hmm. But by the time you had it built that way, if you went to sell the thing um, as a complete setup, your customer base or potential customer base was kind of limited. I mean, how many people would want that exact bike that you had built? Not so many. So you couldn't really sell it for much. So I'd kind of pick those up for around two or $300 when I saw a good deal. And then I'd split up the parts. I'd sell them on Craigslist, eBay, forums, um, all sorts of places. In total, how much profit would you make on a bike? Oh, man. this So this is middle school, maybe going into high school. And, um you know, a bike I could probably sell in parts around six or seven hundred dollars. So I probably make oh wow three to four hundred bucks, and um, that was a pretty good income for my age. I, I there wasn't much that I could buy. I remember um, having a really nice bike and taking it to skate parks and um, all the dirt <laughs> ramps and people kind of making fun of me for having something that my parents paid for and uh, always being mad because I'd earned it myself. You know. No, that this is such a cool story, and it's this like how did you even think? Like I, I'm curious about how you started into this whole dropshipping thing. When it it's almost sounds like you had this entrepreneurial bug in you from the beginning. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know where I got it, but I was always looking for opportunities. That's for sure. This is amazing. All right, so tell me when did you get into dropshipping then? Wow, so it would be tough to give you a specific year, but shortly after, you know, I was reading articles on eBay forums and that sort of stuff to help me list things better, to write better listings. I think that was probably my biggest strength is I put so much detail into my listings and so much effort into getting the the titles right and getting a lot of views, um, which was the right way to do things. And I kind of did it naturally. That was was one strength of mine. But the scale is not there. And that's kind of something that I learned from uh, reading articles and that sort of stuff. And Mm. I started looking at ways that I could increase the scale. How how could I sell a lot of stuff at a good margin in great volume? And I didn't have the money, even though I was Mm. pulling in, you know, maybe a few hundred dollars a month at the time. I didn't have the money to go and buy a ton of inventory. And I certainly couldn't persuade my parents to let me do that. I mean, just to get my parents to buy that first bike for me, being my own money, but getting them at that time, this would be around 2006. So the internet was still new to me. It was new to my parents and getting them to order these bikes off the internet or going to meet somebody off Craigslist. It was a little nerve wracking for them. Yeah, no, definitely. So I don't know. I just, you know, I I learned over time. I learned by putting it into action. So you, they, you just sort of convinced them to give you the money. And I mean, I think that's a great job on their part because you got that confidence that you could actually make money on your own and, you know, come up with these creative ideas and execute them from a very early age. Yeah. I mean, I would say I've never really been that scared of losing money, which has kind of played in my favor. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the details of dropshipping, can you first tell us what is dropshipping? So dropshipping is sort of a term that has been coined. It's kind of a term that people throw around to really pander to their audiences. And I'm guilty of that too. But it's really just a way to fulfill orders. It's, you know, you could buy all the inventory up front and um, sell it out of your house or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of ways you can source the inventory and get it to your customer. This is just a way where 
your supplier that you have this relationship with is going to ship directly to your customer and you're going to pay the supplier after your customers already paid you and then they're going to send it straight to your, hmm. your customer. And so it's, it's just a way to fulfill orders in the beginning to limit risk, limit the downside and kind of test your business model and find what works. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, drop shipping for anyone who's done, you know, studied business in any form or fashion, it's just a different way of fulfilling an order. But I think what's really interesting is that a lot of individuals like yourself have converted drop shipping into a successful business almost on the side. And sometimes it can be a very self-sustaining and a very fruitful business. So I, I think to set things in context for everyone, it will be helpful if you can give us an idea of what kind of money can be made in dropshipping. And I'm sure it's very variable, If you, but if you can paint a little bit of a picture there. Absolutely. So there's certainly a wide range of outcomes that could happen. Um, I've had a lot of readers that have contacted me and really surprised me with how well they've done. I mean, a thousand dollars in the first month of ever trying this would be really impressive to me. And I've had several people do it and I'm super excited for those people. I also know people who have attempted this sort of stuff, attempted to make money on the internet with drop shipping, affiliate marketing, that sort of thing, blogging for a year and never made a dime in their first year and they're millionaires now. I'm talking guys that I've met out at conferences that now run these things. And so it is variable. It is a factor of what kind of margin that you make on the product and how much of that margin you have to spend on marketing to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And then how large is the audience that you are selling to? So if your margin is $80 and it costs you 30 bucks to make a sale and so your margin is 50 and you have an audience that you can advertise to on Facebook that is able to generate, you know, 20 sales a week, then you're making a thousand bucks a week, just yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you make it sound so simple, right? So let's, let's break it down. So let's say I want to set up a drop shipping business today. What are the, what are the high level things I need to do? Well, so a lot, you'll get a lot of different answers from different people. And I will say you got to be careful when you're out there reading because there's a lot of people just like me, this is a good time for disclosure, who make money off of affiliate offers. So a lot of the tools that I recommend in my how-to guides, I actually make money when you go and use those. And that's the case for a lot of how-to guides out there. And a lot of them don't have your best interest in mind. And so you got to be careful. You got to read reviews. You got to see what other people say about these things. Um, and you got to be careful that the reviews you're, you're reading aren't monetized by affiliate commissions. Um, and they may be. And if people are open and transparent about it, you, you should uh, be a little bit more confident about those things. But the reason I say that is, you know, I do monetize my guides with affiliate commissions. I do try to align my interests with my readers. And so mine's actually set up so that I make more money when my readers make more money, mainly because the biggest chunk from a successful uh, reader, my biggest commission will come from the advertising because I'm hit, because I'm paid on a percentage of the volume. Hmm. Right. Okay. All right. All right. So disclosure done. We all see what you're doing. Now tell us, how would I set up my dropshipping business? I'm sorry, I got a little carried away there. I forgot where I was going with it. <laughs> no, no, so, it's fine. Yeah. So what I was going to say is a lot of people will tell you to start on eBay or Amazon, and I think that is a good way to learn. Um, that's something that I started out with, obviously, like I said, uh, but there's not a, lot, not a lot of margin to be made on eBay or Amazon because there's so many different products out there. And if you go and list a product from a dropshipping wholesaler, the the same product is probably listed on there too. So you're probably competing with the same products and prices just get driven down. Margins get driven down. What I like to do is to build my own website and I'm not a programmer by any means. I will get good hosting. 
which is not very expensive. It's about $29 a month. I'll get a good theme. I'll make a site that looks good for the product and I will explain it in simple terms. I will sell it in simple terms using, you know, usually not that many words. And so you get a product page that you can sell the product on. I like to stick to one uh, just in the beginning. A lot of people like to build a whole store. I like to sell the best product that I can find in that niche and kind of have an idea of upsells or other products that I can add later on. Mm-hmm. So you want to keep it really simple from the beginning, really low cost, low investment. And once you've got that page, you've got to go and find people to sell to. So the easiest way is to go and run Facebook ads, Google ads. I would definitely recommend getting a retargeting pixel on your page. I use perfect audience for retargeting. That just means that when someone hits my page, I can advertise them to, to them later because people don't usually buy on the first visit. It usually takes them five considerations of your product to buy it on average. Um, I would run Facebook ads, Google ads, and a lot of those different ad platforms, Facebook, Google, Bing, will offer you a $100 free trial or $150 free trial. And that will buy you quite a significant amount of clicks just to try to test out your product in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's... You know, you can post to Facebook groups, you can do posts on Reddit if you know how to get a lot of views, a lot of traffic to point back to your site. Um, Another good way, if you don't know, you know, I like to tell people to go to the platforms where they know how to kind of work this system. So like on Cura, I know kind of how the algorithm works and I know how to get a lot of views on my posts. Um, A lot of people spend time on specific platforms and they know how they work. So if you're on Pinterest, especially if you know how Pinterest works and you know how to get a lot of pins on something and get a lot of exposure, that's free advertising. Mm-hmm. I mean, a thousand views might cost you a thousand impressions on an advertisement on Facebook might cost you a few bucks, but if you can get that easy on Pinterest, that's just free advertising and you can right. link back to the product and sell. Right. All right. So this is great. And uh, I'm going to now go deeper into what you just said. So I, and I am the kind of person who will probably probe you a little bit but that's going to be good. So I think I think what you said is, if I understand you correctly, there are three parts to setting up your dropshipping business. The first step is that you have to identify a product, right? Uh, yeah. And we will go into the uh, details of that, but you have to identify a product. The second step is that, so what you're saying is the second step is basically you have to find a place where you can sell it that can either be Amazon or eBay or one of these distributors. The advantage is that you get a built-in audience, but the disadvantage is that your margins are probably very, very low and you're competing with a lot of other suppliers, right? So yes. so, you say, so you're saying that your recommendation is that you set up your own product page. So you use one of these ready-made product building websites like Wix and Squarespace or whatever, and you set up your page, stick to one product you're saying in the beginning, as opposed to trying to create a store. And then the third is, of course, trying to um, actually sell it. So marketing your your page in this case, which is through Facebook ads and Google ads and whatever, Facebook groups, Pinterest, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that, that's the high level process that you just described. Yep. So let's go into the details of each of them. Uh, how will I identify a product that I can sell? So one thing I should point out here is this, this whole process is a process of discovery. You're trying to make these assumptions in the beginning and test whether or not they're actually true. Studies have shown that CEOs know about 5% of available information when they're making big decisions, and we, quite frankly, know a lot less. And so you're making assumptions. It's good to find a product that you would buy anyways, and you're looking for a product that you think that you can sell for a pretty good market. I would say five times would be a good target. And so 
you kind of want to fall on the range of about 50 to $100, in my opinion, as far as what you're going to sell it for. And the true profit, you know, a lot of people start out, they'll take a product they got for 50 and so they kind of fall subject to kind of the anchoring and adjustment, um, I guess you'd say fallacy, where they're saying, okay, I'm getting it for $50, I can probably only realistically get $10 more than that. And there's not really any reasoning behind that, it's just... Um, they mark it up 10 bucks because that seems like it's what's right. But what I'm trying to do is find a product where I can create a large discrepancy between the cost to me and the perceived value of the product. And the perceived value is something that I'm going to create in my customer's eyes. Okay, so... So I, I understand that um, two clear points over here. One is that it you, you probably want something where you can see that, hey, I think I might buy something like this myself. That's probably like a good test to make sure that it's a good product that someone else also might be interested in buying. And you want something which has which gives you a good margin. So five times is your recommendation. Um, but I, I guess like where do I find this product? Right? So imagine someone who is like working in like, a, I don't know, Procter and Gamble, let's say, right? Like they're sitting somewhere, you know, they, they have, they, they're not in sales, they're not in marketing, they're like, they're like some operations guy. And he or she is interested in like experimenting with drop shipping. Where do I find this product that I can consider selling? So when you get into the thick of it and you start, you know, you've got some experience that, and you've got some money and you've kind of got some, I guess, you have some proof that you can move volume for a supplier. Um, ultimately, you're looking for really niche suppliers. I mean, these people aren't great at marketing themselves. It takes a lot of searching to find um, the really kind of diamond in the rough uh, suppliers. And those are the ones that are going to create the best products for you, offer the best products to you, and have the biggest margins. But in the beginning, chances are you're not going to be able to set up a relationship with those people. Or it'll be very difficult because you don't have a lot of negotiating power. Uh, but but there are places you can go. And so common advice would be to go to Alibaba or AliExpress. And I do recommend that to people. The problem there is if they're not a U.S.-based supplier and you're selling to U.S. customers, you're talking about really long shipping times and high shipping costs. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing to do if the product you want to sell is in you know, China or wherever, you got to bring it over to the United States and get it to, say, Amazon FBA, where they'll fulfill the orders for you. But that in that case, if you're doing that, you do have to buy the product up front. I see. One one other option is to go to a dropshipping wholesaling website, like something like Banggood. Banggood is not something that I've ever used personally, but I've heard good things about it, and I've looked around and saw some pretty nice products that I might try out. You know, I told you I'm going to be building a dropshipping business from scratch, and I'm going to record the whole thing. And I don't want to use any really niche suppliers for that video that anybody else wouldn't be able to find. I'm, I think. I think I'm going to try out Banggood. And so I've seen some products there that I could buy for about 50 bucks and they would ship straight to my customer. And I, I'm sorry, 10 bucks. And I think I could sell them for 50. Hmm. So what was the website? Vanguard, V-A-N-G-O-O-D? Yeah, B-A-N-G-G-O-O-D.com, I okay. believe. Okay, I see. All right, so, or, or you said Alibaba or AliExpress. Um, yep. I remember in in one of your guides on Quora, you also suggested Etsy as another potential place where people can go and find products. Yeah, Etsy can be a great place too. And there's two sides to that. So Etsy could be a place to find someone who's making products that you'd want to sell. And a lot of times these people are not really business savvy, but they're selling products that are just really well designed. And I like to take advantage of great design to kind of uh, build that 
great perspective of my product, you know, to, right. to up the perceived value. And so I like Etsy for that. Um, the one caveat there is can they actually produce the volume that you need if you start doing really, really well? That's right. Now, yeah. The other side of Etsy, and this is something that I found when I was looking around there when I was writing my guides, a lot of people are drop shipping on Etsy. They'll pretend that the product is handmade. And so, you know, it's one thing you can do is use Etsy to find those products. You might reverse image search one of the pictures to see if you can find it on a wholesaling website or other websites. And so, you know, it's coming from somewhere, okay. uh, but you can look at product favorites, product reviews to see how much people actually like the product. You can see how much um, people are buying it. If you go to the seller's profile and look at how many total sales they, they do to get a good idea of, you know, is this product actually moving right. or not? And that's something you can do on a lot of different websites. You can go on eBay and look at uh, the movement of products if you search for them and then look at past completed transactions. Or if you go on Amazon and look at the reviews for a product that you might want to drop ship. The one thing that I, you would keep in mind is that if you're going to sell this product on its separate webpage, you do want to brand it differently and kind of call it something else. A lot of people get into this and they will upload the same exact product picture they got from their wholesaler and the same exact tagline or description and title. And then people do go to price shop and they find it all over the web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, that brings up a couple of very important questions. So first, I think that's good advice that if you can see that the product already has a lot of good reviews, and it's already been sold a bunch of times, then you know that it's a good product. And do you have any ballpark figure for like how many reviews qualifies for? Yeah, this is a good product. I would say 20 to 30 quality reviews would be pretty good. Of course, you can always ask to order a sample product or you can pay to just get one sent to you so you can evaluate the quality yourself. But it's mm. good to see what your potential customers do think of it. Right. Um, that's pretty subjective, though. And that brings me to another point. You kind of got to be careful of uh, whether or not the reviews are actually real because people will buy them or post them themselves. Um, sometimes that's a problem on Amazon. Sometimes they're good about defending against it. And then like on Etsy too, I know people go to the Etsy forums and they'll post their own product to trade product favorites. And so that's something you got to be careful oh, of. Wow. You clearly spend a lot of time on these forums. <laughs> I can't believe people are like trading favorites. Although I can see now and now that you say it, that makes a lot of sense to do. Um, yeah. Okay, so... So, all right, so you identify a product, but like, as you said, you probably want to rebrand it. You want to make it your own product. You want to have your own tagline and all of that. So before we get into the mechanics of that, uh, I'm guessing you have to get permission from whoever the supplier is to do that, right? Yep. And so in many cases, that might be, you know, if you get too deep into it or if you're working with a niche supplier, you know that you're going to do a lot of volume. Um, you might have to involve a lawyer to write up a contract for you. But if you use something simple like Banggood, uh, you're not going to have any expenses for any lawyers or anything like that because um, the terms of the deal are kind of written out. You sell something, they'll ship it straight to them, and that's about it. I mean, oh, because they're a wholesaler by design. Yeah, they're designed for this dropshipping stuff. I see, I see, I see. And in these kind of things, uh, let's say, let's say, you know, you you draw up a contract with a supplier, and they're like, fine, you know, I'll give it to you for, or you have to pay only this much per order. And let's say the customer comes back to you and says, you know what, I didn't like the product and I want to return it or there's a problem with it or right. Who handles that then? 
Oh man, that changes from project to project and supplier to supplier. It's a very subjective thing. And that's why sometimes it's tough to teach these things because a lot of things change from instance to instance and you just have to use good judgment. Um, a lot of times the product's coming back to you and it might not even be worth it to try to sell it again or repackage it. Um, it's just, you, you just got to write it off or sometimes your supplier will allow you to have returns sent to them. And that's a nice perk if you can get that in your deal. I see. Okay. So it's up to you how you negotiate the contract with the supplier. Yes. Okay. All right. So this is identifying your product. So we've identified the product. We find, we found something, let's say we find something in, I don't know, uh, beauty, some, some sort of a gel. I don't know. Uh, do you have a favorite category by any chance? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. All right. Just to take a lot a of times I, you know, a lot of times that I, I will start these projects on a whim because I see something. I spend a lot of time on Reddit and a lot of times I see good indicators that um, something might make a good project just because it's hit the front page or it's been top of the day, top of the week. And I see a lot of people pumped about it or I see it being sold by somebody else at uh, what I know to be a pretty big markup and I know I can kind of repeat their success and I know what audience to look for. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So now we come to setting up the product page. And this is the part, actually, the second and the third parts are the ones that I'm really the most curious about, because how do you create, how do you create a product page for just one product and make it so convincing that someone will buy a product from like a one product? I I don't know, like, I want to understand that a little bit. So how do you create these product pages to be so, so convincing? Yeah, so I wouldn't... Huh, it's it's an interesting question. This is the most important part is to be able to market your product to the right people using the right words and the right design. And that, like I said, this is all testing. And, you, you know, you come to a point where you have a funnel where you're reaching people at the top of the funnel, the audience or the target audience, and then they click through an ad to your page and then they may or may not buy and then they may or may not buy again and again afterwards or refer friends. And so you can set yourself up to measure yourself along that funnel. Um, so how many people am I reaching? What percentage of them click through to my page? And then what percentage of the people that hit the page click to buy? And then who's coming back and who's not? So you can kind of find out where the leaks in your funnel are hmm. and fix them. And so maybe you have great ads like maybe 5% of the people that see your ad are clicking through, which would just be awesome clicking through and going to the page and then you're not getting any sales at all. And you've had a large enough number of people click through to the page that, you know, there's some statistical significance and nobody's buying. Clearly there's something wrong on your sales page. Maybe it's, it's just poorly designed or the, the, the value proposition is not strong enough, or maybe your price is too high. And so you got to test those different things, try changing them up and then comparing your results to past results. So um, can you share an example with us? Let's say something that you've drop shipped in the past and what were some of the key elements that you put in? Like, I think a concrete example would really help in this case. Hmm. So I'm trying to think because this last year, I've spent my time doing a lot of writing, as you've seen, mm-hmm. and writing about my experience drop shipping. That's my focus has been building an influence in this space. I can tell you about a product one of my readers has sourced and his source is so good. So uh, I I don't worry about anybody kind of taking it over, but he's sourcing these headbands from a South American country. And he's, he's got these people he does a service project with. So he's supply, he's getting them from a supplier at a really cheap price and they're just really, well, 
it's not something that I'd personally buy, but they're really cool headbands, like really uh, interesting, very appealing to the eyes. And I think mm-hmm. uh, that's a big aspect of this. So he, he uses a lot of Instagram posts and that sort of thing to kind of get virality on social media and then drive that back to his page. And people are paying him, I'd say about 50 times what he buys them for. Mm-hmm. And there's not much, you know, there's not much persuasion. He doesn't use a lot of text. It's really just something simple. It's like, this is the headband you've been waiting for or something like that. A few pictures and a buy now button. And that's as simple as it gets. I mean, that's, it's just wow. that easy. Okay. And so it depends on really what you're selling. You kind of have to be intuitive about what you're selling and how much is actually necessary to sell this product. You want you don't want to oversell it. You don't want to undersell it. Um, you got to think about the funnel. Yeah, actually, you know what? You make a very, very good point here that it really depends a lot on what kind of product it is. So, I mean, I can speak from my point of view. Like, let's say I wanted to buy some kind of like, I don't know, body gel. You probably are very careful about which brand you use, right? Because I probably want to go to a very well-known brand that I know will have good quality ingredients and all that, as opposed to buying some one-off from some web page. But a headband, on the other hand, right, it's it's probably not so important where it's coming from as long as it looks cool. And so as long as I'm convinced that, yeah, it's cool and that, you know, it looks like a like a respectable supplier selling it, like a company, I probably won't give it much thought then. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what... And- yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you kind of, so it's hard to answer because you kind of have to consider your entire funnel. You know, I talked about the funnel, getting the attention on the outside, bringing them to the page to cultivate interest and ultimately desire, which then transfers into a sale, the action, the ADA model. And so it really depends on what you're using to get the attention and cultivate the interest from your audience. I mean, if you're just coming straight from an ad to the page and it's a simple product, uh, you might be just fine. But then say, I was reading an article of a guy who was selling beauty products and he's teamed up with this lady who's got quite the influence in the space and so they've got her name on the product and he's running pinterest ads he chose not to go directly to the product sales page but a 11 tips for beauty success or or whatever and you know he's found much more success going through the article first and then pointing to the sales page rather than going directly to the sales page I see. Okay, that's very helpful. So going back to the headband example, can you share uh, like what kind of Instagram posts was your reader using, which really clicked with the audience? Yeah, this was a lot of this was a lot of sorority girls. Uh-huh, okay, he was he would just give them to friends for free and ask them to take pictures and send them to him, and then he'd crop them and you know get them up on Instagram. I'm not a big Instagram guy. I personally don't have it, but I know he was just giving them away for free because they were coming so cheap to him. They'd take pictures and then he'd market them too other sorority girls yeah yeah okay and uh i think another thing which i'm very curious about is that um have you in your own experience or maybe some of your readers uh, what kind of experiments have they tried and i'm just like you know if you can give us a little bit of an idea of like things that people would play around with and you know unexpected things that might have worked which they didn't realize would work i haven't really been caught completely by surprise by anything because uh, like I said, it's you're making assumptions in the beginning, and so you can't be too confident. You're never you never know that something is going to work for certain. You're always taking some level of risk, uh, especially time wise. But of course, dropshipping limits the downside financially speaking. There's certainly ways to come up with content or to come up with you know ways of communicating with your customer that you can be relatively confident in. 
like there's a tool called SEM Rush, and you can go on there and for specific searches on Google for a product similar to what you are selling, you can find out which links people are clicking and which ones are not on the front page or which ones are clicking more than the others. And so you can look at the taglines, you can look at the descriptions and see what's getting people's attention in your target market and try to not copy that, but be inspired by that. Hmm, I see. And it sounds like you almost need no money to start out except whatever money you need to actually set up your web page and then uh, money that you might put into all of these ads. Right. So that's, it's possible. Like I said, there's, there are, on most of these platforms, they will offer you a trial of about 100 or $150. And so that's usually enough to get off the ground and you know know whether or not something's working or not. Hmm. But there are three ways to get the traffic that I kind of discussed earlier. I mean, you can use YouTube for reviews. The other option is to try to get a list of people who have influence over um, your target demographic, people that might want to buy your product. And ask them to be an affiliate of yours. So I, like I said, I'm an affiliate of certain products and tools that people use in my guides. And you can actually create an affiliate program for your product. So you've got this product sales page. You use a company maybe like OSI Affiliate. And I think that's osiaffiliate.com. And you can run their plugin and you can give links out to people so that when they share those with their audience, say they have you know, 50,000 Instagram followers and they post a link, if people click it and buy and maybe your product costs $80 and it costs you, you know, you price it at $80 and it costs you 10 or whatever, maybe you pay them $30 for every sale they point your way. So that's not something you're going to pay for until after you've made the sale and collected the money from a customer. Okay. That's a great idea. Yeah. Cause one of my questions was going to be that I think again, going back to, and I think you've also emphasized that point that it's very important to think about the funnel over here and really think through what are the leaks and you try different things and see what works. So if, let's say you're a complete marketing idiot, what suggestion would you have for them? Uh, I would suggest to try to run your own ads and to try to use SEM Rush uh, to find out what kind of um, lines or words resonate with your audience to create your own ads, see how that goes. Um, but definitely run an affiliate program. Definitely try out the affiliate routes. You can leverage the audience of other people who know how to talk to their audience yeah. and know how to recommend it and have a reason to because you're paying them when they make a sale. Yeah. And so they're going to try to communicate with them in the best way that they can. That's actually a great idea. I really like this idea. I mean, let's say I was trying like in the headbands example or any example that you like. Why will someone who has significant influence over an audience and who has uh, you know thousands, if not millions of followers, why will they choose to partner with you? Sure. So uh, if you think about it, you're not necessarily selling them something, but you certainly have to, it is really a selling conversation because you do have to persuade them to buy your product. And so um, there may be in the beginning a limited amount of information that you can use to persuade them to sell your product or to promote your product, especially if they get a lot of offers from other people and they don't want to kind of oversaturate their audience with all these different audiences or all these different offers and overwhelm them with different products. Um, but if you're paying out, like I said, if you're, if you're finding a product and you have a sales page that allows you to sell it at a significant markup and there's a lot to be shared, that is Mm. quite convincing. You know, um, if they can pay you $40 to sell an $80 clock for them. I mean, if you can imagine you got 50,000 followers and maybe one in, 500 will buy so you got a, what 100 sales are going to make off that and if if you're being paid a $40 commission uh, you're talking about $4,000 in commissions just because you shared that yeah. product with the audience 
Oh, definitely. <laughs> it does sound like something like if you can actually get all of these elements in place, it's uh, you know you can make mm-hmm. a good amount of money very quickly, actually. So definitely. So you see how you kind of reacted to that. It might. I mean, that gives you an idea of how I might approach someone with quite a few followers, and I might say, "What if only one in five hundred bought?" And then multiply that out by the commission I'm going to pay you. I mean, look at how well you might do if you promote my product for me. Right. So you use a technique there, but it's good, right? This is this is the kind of information which can be very helpful for someone. That you know, this is how if you frame your request in this way, they might be much more persuaded to say yes. Absolutely. So over the time that you've been doing this for, have you found any sort of common mistakes that people made, or you yourself made? Yeah. So I would say the most common mistake is pretty similar to what I, you know, the mistakes I made. It's usually to go straight to Amazon and eBay. Um, I think a lot of times when you're starting out, you're just so excited to get that first dollar and get somebody to pay you for something online, which is a very exciting feeling. And then pretty soon after you're like, man, okay, it's, I want to make some significant money. And, um, and so I really think you, you got to start out looking for those big margins and setting yourself up for success from the very beginning. Yeah. But biggest mistake, you know, what I see people do a lot is they'll set up a Shopify store. They won't pay too much attention to the design and they'll just upload products. Like a lot of these dropshipping product wholesalers, they give you product feeds essentially. And so you can, you know, I've never done it personally, but I believe they just upload an Excel document to WooCommerce or whatever they're using or Magento. And they will essentially just load all the descriptions, all the titles, all the pictures at once to their site, and then just run ads to that website, which is the stock photos and stock descriptions and stock titles and expect to get sales. And that doesn't work, I hope. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) look, this this is actually a great example of uh, one of those things that you wouldn't expect to work, and it does. I had somebody call me. I do these clarity consulting calls. People pay me by the minute to have phone calls with them. And I had a guy who had a Shopify store. It didn't look so great, and he was just uploading products just straight from Alibaba and running ads to it, and he was only paying a few dollars to make a sale. Granted, his margin was pretty slim. It was like $10, but I couldn't believe that he was profitable. And granted, it wasn't at scale or anything, but I could not believe he was profitable. Right, right. So, I mean, it's if nothing else, it's like your like free food money or something, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think is the future of dropshipping? So, dropshipping has been around a long time, like we talked about earlier. It's interesting to see what Wayfair.com has done with dropshipping and how big they've gotten. A lot of people will say nowadays that dropshipping is dead. It's it's not a space that you can make money in anymore. And I think it's because it used to work that people could post products to Amazon and eBay and dropship them at a profitable rate. And you just can't really do that anymore. It's too competitive. There's too many people going on eBay and Amazon. It's too mainstream. And you know the value to you, the profit you make is directly correlated to how much value you add to the product cycle, to the, um, to the supply chain. And so if you're the one creating the large discrepancy between the perceived value and the product cost, you're the one that's going to get paid ultimately. And so I don't think that's done on Amazon or eBay. I think that's done uh, by marketing your own product on your own sales page and making it your own, making it perceived to be its own brand and its own product. Yeah, uh, actually, you know what, Zach, I think what would be very helpful is if you can give me the links to some of these web pages, I would love to include them in the description of this episode, because I think people would be interested in checking them out. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now I would just love to understand a little bit of your day to day aspects. 
um like on a typical day if you're the one who's running a drop shipping business what are the kind of problems you run into on the day to day what kind of problems do i run into so i make a point of focusing my time on where the value add is you know we just we just talked about how you extract value from this process you extract profits because you add a lot of value to the supply chain in the discrepancy between perceived value and the cost of the product and so i try to focus all my time on marketing managing campaigns and finding new ways to communicate with customers um that's ultimately where i try to put all my time and effort and if i can outsource the rest if i can get some help or if i can use products and tools to get rid of the things that i don't want to think about or deal with like accounting is a good example i'll hire somebody else right that's a good point yeah can you give us some idea of like what are these other activities that you know assuming you, you don't have anyone to outsource them to what are these other activities you have to spend time on so depending on how well your system is automated i mean do you have your e-commerce software woocommerce whatever you're using um do you have it communicating with your supplier in an efficient manner and letting it know when uh you have product being ordered and where to ship it to otherwise you got to handle those things yourself is there a lot of returns to be managed and our customers calling you directly or are you outsourcing that to maybe uh some sort of phone phone center where people answer the phone and they know how to take care of these returns for you um there's a lot of different little administrative tasks that you know I don't really deal with too much anymore because I have the tools to get rid of them and there's a lot of accounting work to be done and that sort of thing that you know I personally prefer to leave to a CPA Mm, I see. Okay. Yeah, I mean if you can afford to that definitely, but otherwise I can imagine that you have to spend a lot of your time um I think the two big areas from what I can understand is I the most important thing is definitely all this marketing stuff. So you want to make sure that you're broadening your funnel as much as possible. But then also your um also all these admin tasks like hand, handling returns and accounting and maybe any legal stuff if it comes up. Um, yeah, I think the the more effort and time you can spend on your sales funnel and how you get the attention of customers and convert that into interest and ultimately desire and then action, yeah. um, the most the more time you can spend on that, the better. Yeah, no, for sure. So, in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in dropshipping? Ooh, I think the most interesting aspect of dropshipping is uh, trying to understand how people work and why they buy the things that they do and how you can communicate. Um, in a way that makes them want what you're selling. I don't think that the best product always wins. It's something, you know, Peter Thiel had a great chapter about that in his book, Zero to One, about distribution. The best product rarely wins. It's a factor of distribution and marketing that uh, creates the product. And so. No, that's, that's, uh, I think that is a very good point. And I do, uh, you know, based on this discussion, I would probably say that dropshipping is a very good thing to consider for someone who, who feels that he or she has the sales jobs or the marketing jobs to uh, get the right people interested. Absolutely. So okay. like I said, dropshipping is a way to limit your downside exposure in the beginning. Um, it's how you spend little money to test something and see if it works and see if it's something you can build into something great. And you know, by the time you're making thousands of sales or hundreds of sales or wherever you want to start making changes to this process. I mean, at some point, the pro- you might decide that the product you're selling, because you had such a limited number of products to choose from in the beginning when you had no leverage and you couldn't you know, go up to some supplier and convince them that you're worth their time, maybe you can 
later on. Maybe you can sell a better product because you have that negotiating power because you have the distribution. Um, or you might go and have a better product produced on your own. No, definitely. I mean, you start out as a nobody, but then as you start building up your distribution, your name, you definitely get way more leverage and you can move up the value chain. Absolutely. The ultimate goal is to find distribution. Yeah, yeah. And what aspects do you find the most challenging? Uh, that, that <laughs> <find> distribution. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And like anything else that you found that, wow, I didn't realize I'm going to have to spend uh, time doing this. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I definitely had projects where returns and stuff were such an unexpected hassle. Handling returns and handling customers uh, can be really a pain and it can really detract hmm. from the activities that really create value for you. Yeah. And uh, like, what are the kind of skills you learn in this entire process that you think can be applied elsewhere? Sales and marketing, for sure. I can clearly see that. Sales, absolutely. Sales and absolutely marketing. I think any profession that you decide to go into, uh, you're going to be using sales and marketing. And ultimately, it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to determine how well you do. I mean, if you're a doctor and you run your own practice, you got to be able to get patients and you got to be able to please them and get them to refer customers and bring them back in. That's distribution. Hmm. Uh, Same with if you own your own law practice. Um, Within any you know, organization you might work within, you're going to be most successful if you know how to work the social hierarchies and focus your time in the right directions. No, definitely. I mean, um, the best drop shippers, and you, I'm, it seems that you're probably one of them. What do you think really makes them stand out? Well, <laughs> huh. it's tough to say because, you know, drop shipping is, there's, very low barriers to entry. So I'm sure you've noticed from this conversation that I uh, try to keep hush about uh, projects that I do because you kind of got to protect your niche. You wouldn't want somebody going and poking around and exploring what you might be doing and then cannibalizing what you're doing. And so you find that a lot of people that teach in this space are quite vague and they don't talk specifically about um, certain projects, especially ongoing projects. Okay. Oh, so I mean, that's an interesting point. So it's almost like, you know, you find a niche and then you want to extract the most value out of it as soon as you can until someone else enters it. Right. So that's why it's hard for me to answer what are the best dropshippers doing? I guess if you want to look at the best dropshipper, I mean, Wayfair might be an example of that. But uh, And I quite frankly don't know too much about them. I just know it's that's kind of what people say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, to me, the best dropshippers know how to create that discrepancy between cost and the perceived value to the customer, and then sell that at scale. Okay, so you've, I think you've mentioned a whole bunch of resources that people can use. Uh, I think here it might be a good time for you to talk about the guides that you're putting together and your website, which people can follow. I mean, I really think your guides are great. Like they give you step-by-step instructions on how to do something like this on your own. So maybe you can talk about that. Well, thank you. I'm glad you like them. So most of my guys are just on QR right now. I just write the guys on QR and, you know, the things that you need to know to to get into this sort of stuff are on QR. And then the more intensive video guys that I I use to show people how to set up um, sales pages. I think sales page is the one or maybe just the main one. That's on my website. It's on blogtojob.com. And so blog to job was originally built to teach people how to build blogs and create an influence in a space or an authority and then turn that into uh, opportunities and drop shipping is not completely related to that, but I've used the domain for, for drop shipping and then people liked the drop shipping content I was putting out. So I, 
I focus more on the dropshipping content. Now I will be moving that over to its own domain, dropshipstepbystep.com. Um, and I'm going to be building a business from scratch. And I'm not going to use any obscure suppliers. I'm not going to use any expensive tools. I'm just going to build a, a business from scratch. It may or may not work out. And I'm going to try to create probably about a $2,000 to $3,000 net uh, income, net monthly income. And I'm going to videotape the whole thing, voice it over, and go through all the nuances of the business, all the administrative stuff. And hopefully we'll end up with a good project and hopefully people will choose to follow along with me. All right. Awesome. Yeah. If people want to sign up for that uh, for that course, is, is that a course or it's just like a video that you can watch? It's going to be a video series. And at this at this point, I don't intend to charge for it. And you can, if you sign up for my email list on blogtojob.com, I will certainly be sending out an email when it's ready. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Is there any other advice that you would like to share with anyone who is interested in starting out in dropshipping? Yeah, I would say stop reading so much, stop dreaming so much, and just get out there and do it, put it in practice, and learn as you go. All right, that is good advice. Thank you so much, Zach. This was wonderful. I, for one, I'm definitely going to sign up for your list, and I'm going to watch that video series. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sonali. I had a great time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that was Zach on dropshipping. I really, really hope that you found today's episode helpful. And of course, if you have any questions at all for Zach or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. If you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did, you can subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover and hit subscribe. And while you're at it, please leave us a review. It really, really, really means a lot. Of course, you can also check out our website at www.learneducatediscover.com where you'll find all of our previous episodes as well as very helpful resources such as sample cover letters, an upcoming webinar on sales and marketing consulting. So check that out. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover. And if you like the page, all the great content that we are putting together for you guys will start showing up right there in your newsfeed. All right, so that's it for today. Thank you so much for your time and until the next one, adios.